Exodus 24 and 15. Thank you for having me. This is something the Lord just recently gave me. I'm not one of those youpreachit.com guys or go back and steal all the old T.D. Jake sermons. I just preach what the Lord reveals to me. And Moses went up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. And I want to preach on through the eyes of the Father. You see, I'll explain it more in my message. But God is showing me how to look at people through his eyes. And look at my backslid kids through his eyes. I just recently stood over my son that had been shot. They called me on Sunday morning and said, your son's shot and he may not make it. And I was in Odessa. And I got up and preached about our prodigals. I tried to hurry up and get home. The bullet went through his heart sack, his esophagus down through his stomach turn went through his liver they said it's not good and I stood at the foot of his bed said Lord you made me a promise now bring my son out of this sickness the exact words of two surgeons was we don't know how this guy made it I said I do I said he's got a praying dad come on Come on, lift your hands and begin to worship him one more time. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, I need you to anoint me like I've never been anointed before. God, touch my mind, touch my body, and touch my voice. Move upon me, Lord. It's not about me. It's all about you, Jesus. Now, in the name of Jesus, I bind any spirits that are not of you right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They have to be silent in this church. In the name of Jesus, I come against sickness and infirmities. By the power and the authority of your name, I come against anxiety and depression and fear. I cast out any spirit of fear in this place. Move upon us, God. Let the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate in Jesus' name. Clap your hands one more time. You may be seated. After 430 years of bondage, God has brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He's used pestilence and plagues and finally the death of the firstborn in Egypt. And they are finally set free from their taskmasters. And with the bones of Joseph being carried away with them, they set out on their journey into the wilderness led by God. Exodus 13, 21 tells us, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day 
and night. Can I tell you, I don't, co- I don't know what kind of journey that you're on right now. Come on, I don't know if it's the brightest time of the day for you and everything's going good. Or you could be in the depths and the darkness of night. But I'm here to tell somebody under the authority of the Holy Ghost that Jesus is walking with you. Come on, my Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say, yea, though I camp out in the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, sometimes it doesn't seem like you can do anything but sit down. But I'm here to tell you, just put one foot in front of the other. Just put your faith in God and just keep on stepping through the valley because my God is about to show up. My God is about to come in riding a horse with a standard, waving a flag of victory. So the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and they realized that all their servants are gone. So Pharaoh and all his horsemen and chariots and all his army catch up to them and they're camped by the Red Sea and the Israelites. When they see this massive army of Egyptians, they become afraid and they begin crying out to the Lord and They tell Moses, why have you led us here to die in the wilderness? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die out here in the wilderness. Exodus 14 and 13. Sometimes a man of God just has to get up and speak to some things. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Come on, can I tell somebody in this place this morning, the devil's been trying to place a spirit of fear upon you. Come on, the devil's been trying to place doubt and worry and disbelief in your mind. Come on, he attacks your health. I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. He tries to attack your finances. He comes against your family. It seems overwhelming and it feels like that you don't have nowhere to turn to. You got the enemy in your face. You got the sea at your back. But what the enemy doesn't realize, God is setting him up for a defeat. Come on, the Lord is about to step in to your battle. The Lord is about to fight for you. It's not by my might. Come on, it's not by my power, but it's by his spirit, saith the Lord. It's still greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, the devil doesn't have dominion over us. We have dominion over him. Come on, I'm so sick of new age preachers that are afraid to get behind a pulpit and rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. We have downplayed spiritual warfare, trying to make everybody passive. That's a trick from the enemy. God is ready for us to step out and pull out some spiritual swords.
God makes a path through the Red Sea. Now, I was reading a commentary. That was my first mistake. My dad told me that the Bible will shed a lot of light on those commentaries. Now, I, I'm a, I love to read, but you got to be careful what you read. Well, I'm just going to eat the meat and throw out the bone. Now, y'all can tell by looking. I've ate a lot of meat, and I love catfish, and I like whole catfish. And every once in a while, you get a bone without intending to. Better be careful what you read. This commentary said it was impossible for this to happen because at that time there was no Red Sea. I'm like, really? Said it was the Reed Sea and it was six inches of water. So it was no miracle for that army, I mean for the Israelites to march across in six inches of water. I thought, well, that goofball. How do you drown a whole Egyptian army in six inches of water? Come on, somewhere there's a miracle here. My Bible says that they marched through on dry ground with a wall of water on the left and a wall of water on the right. And God destroys their enemies. Every last one of them. And I love God because he likes to laugh because the first thing he did, he took all their chariot wheels off after they're chasing him. Read it. Come on there. Yeah, yeah, woo. And he's up there going, <laughs> you thought this was the Reed Sea. <laughs> they then come to Marah and the waters are unfit to drink. God shows him a tree and he casts it into waters and the waters are made sweet. Then they camp at Elam. Elam's a place with water, shade, and dates, food. Now that's a fat boy's paradise. Water, food, shade. But they had to get to the mountain to hear the voice of God. And to get to the voice of God, they had to go through the wilderness. Come on, you can stay in your comfort zone all you want to. But if you want to hear the voice of God, sometimes you're going to have to step out into the wilderness. Come on, sometimes you're going to have to get out of that shade. Come on, get out where everything is plentiful and say, God, it doesn't matter to me. I'm ready to hear your voice. I'm ready to go to work to the mountain where God's going to speak to me. Three months. After leaving Egypt, they arrive at Sinai. This is where God begins to instruct Moses on laws and statutes that he wants the Israelites to follow and obey. You can get more sermons out of while the Israelites are camped around this mountain. Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. No wonder those guys fought all the time with a name like Nadab or Abihu. I would be mad too. The boy named Sue don't have a clue on Abihu. 
And the 70 elders go up on the mountain and a cloud covers this mountain. God's instructing Moses. He's telling him how he wants the offerings. He's telling him about the tabernacle. He's telling him who and how to make the Ark of the Covenant, the veil, the sacrifices, the furnishings of the tabernacle. Then Exodus 28 and 1, God begins to speak to Moses. And he says, Take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. Now Moses is on the mountain with God. The Israelites begin to wonder, I wonder where the preacher's at now. I wonder what he's doing. After all they had seen and after all that they had been through, the preacher's not been gone very long and they've already lost their faith. So they come to Aaron. Now I want you to understand Aaron is Moses' brother. Moses is of the royal lineage of God for the priesthood. This is Moses' right-hand man. And they come up to him and they say, Brother Aaron, can you build us an idol? He goes, okay. He didn't even argue. He said, just break off your earrings. Come on, I'll make you an idol. And he makes a golden cap. And the people begin to worship and say, this is the God that brought us up out of Egypt. Here's Aaron, the right-hand man, his brother. You know what he does? He proclaims a feast. He not only makes an idol, but he's going to eat and feast to the idol. At the same moment, God is instructing Moses on the holy garments that Aaron is to wear. Come on, telling Moses what he expects from the high priest, Aaron. Moses has no idea that Aaron has built a false god for the people and that they are dancing naked in front of this golden calf because even though Aaron was not in the will of God, God saw who Aaron was created to be and in the very midst of his sin, God was laying out his garments. Come on, in the very midst of his doubt, in the very midst of his disbelief, God soon seen who he created Aaron to be. Come on, brokenhearted mothers. Come on, brokenhearted fathers. Come on, brokenhearted brothers and sisters. I don't know what your child, I don't know what your loved one's doing right now this morning, but I want you to know that God sees them as who he created them to be. Come on, God is ready for them to walk through those doors. Exodus 28 and 36. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a blue lace that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their gifts and it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Come on, it may look hopeless to us. Come on, my children aren't living for God. Doing unspeakable acts of sin. They're making and dancing before, dancing before false gods naked. Come on, but in our eyes, 
it looks impossible. Come on, I'm just going to be honest with you. Now you'll find out that I'm the most transparent preacher that's ever stepped behind this pulpit. Now that can be good. That can be bad. Just let me know if it gets bad. I have a son and most brilliant man I know. He graduated number one Arkansas State University. He got a full ride to law school at Alabama. I told him, I said, boy, why Alabama? Man. I said, come on, bro, anywhere but Alabama. I've never felt more evil spirits in my life when I went to his graduation. Idols pointing. He came to my wife and I two years ago, told us that he was engaged to a man. Boy used to carry his Bible to school. And I'm going I'm to tell you, I'm just being transparent with you right now. I was harsh against homosexuals. Don't get quiet on me. And I would get up and I would browbeat. I still don't condone the sin. But God showed me a mercy when it was my son that came to me and said that he was like that. God said, you don't think I can deliver him when I delivered you? He wanted a new pair of shoes. He's an attorney. Graduated number one. So we bought him a nice pair of shoes, and my wife is something else. She took out the insides, fasted and prayed over these prayer cloths and put them down on and put the shoes back together. I just imagine him getting up in the morning going, what was that? God spoke to me and said, the reason drug addicts and backsliders pray through in your revivals is because you have dominion over drugs and alcohol and demonic spirits. But I'm going to raise some men up out of the homosexual areas. Come on, I'm going to raise some women up that's going to have dominion over that sin. And they're going to get behind the pulpit. And they're going to preach and say, listen to me. I once was bound, but now I'm set free. And there's going to be a revival come up out of these people. Come on. You know why? Because we got to look at them through the eyes of the Father. Come on, the Father doesn't see them in their sin. But he sees them as Sunday school teachers. Come on, he sees them as worship leaders. He sees them as preachers. Luke 15 and 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. 
But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You see, the father knew his son wasn't destined for the pig pen. Come on. The father had faith that his son was coming home. Come on, it may have looked like he was just sitting on the porch one day idly whittling or doing whatever you do on the porch. But I believe he came out there several times a day waiting on his prodigal to come walking down those roads. I was in and out of jail so many times, but not one time did my mother and father give up believing that I was going to come home. I, was, I had a pastor in Arkansas tell me at camp meeting. He was standing with my father and I'd got arrested again and I forget what all was happening. And he said him and my father was standing there and a man walked up and said, Mahaney, if that was my son, I wouldn't put up with that junk. Brother Patrick said, my dad looked at him and said, yeah, if that was your son, I probably wouldn't either, but he's my son. He said, and I still believe that God has a work for him. He knew that his son wasn't supposed to be wallowing around in that sin. So the Bible tells us when he came home, he didn't say, hurry, run to the store and get a robe for him. No, he said, bring forth the best robe because he already had his garments ready for him. Come on, they didn't have to run and get any shoes. He already had the shoes for him. Come on, I believe he had his hand in his pocket messing with that ring in his pocket because he knew that his boy was coming home. It didn't say kill a fatted calf. It said kill the fatted calf. All these other ones, that's for somebody else. This one right here is for my son. He's gonna come home. Come on, daughters of Zion. Come on, I'm so thankful for daughters of Zion. Had my name up on their website for years. Who do you think prepared that fatted calf? Come on, it was that mother that cooked that meal for that boy. Come on, it was that mother that walked into his room and would say, God, I want you to, I want you to save my son. God, you're gonna save my son. I turned my back on God at 17. I was an alcoholic by 18. Addicted to crack cocaine by the time I was 18 years old. Stuck a needle in my arm the first time before I was 19. I began to cook meth for 20 years. A junkie, crackhead. It looked like it was hopeless for me. In and out of jails. Hateful, praying to the devil, reading tarot cards, having seances. Come on, my sin, my pig pen of sin looked insurmountable. Here I was dancing naked in front of a golden calf. I hated God. I hated the church. By all appearances, 
it looked like it was over. I was facing 40 to life in prison over 13 class Y felonies. Society had given up on me. I want you to know something. The prosecutor looked at me and said, I hate you. I'm going to put you away for the rest of your life so you can't bother anybody again. But that's not how God works. I came with my 11-year-old granddaughter. September, we walked into the adoption court. They said, all rise. Guess who the judge was? Oh, yeah. That same prosecutor. My attorney said, you may not remember Nick Mahaney. He goes, oh, I remember him. I'm like, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. He asked me four questions. He asked my wife four questions. We went to proceed to the next phase of the case. And he said, there is no next phase. It's over. Congratulations. You have a boy and a girl. At the time he was in my face, God was setting him up because God knew that I was going to need him. God already had the garments of a judge waiting on this man. 40 to life was my plea bargain. I went to a drug rehab because I didn't want to go to prison strung out on my knees. I hadn't prayed in years. I knelt down and lifted my hands and I said, God, I don't even know if you know me, but my name is Nick Mahaney and I'm sorry for what I've done and who I've been. I said, Lord, I don't even care if you keep me out of prison. I'll go to prison. Will you just take these devils and demons that are in my body? Will you deliver me from drugs and alcohol and racism and bigotry? At that moment, I begin to speak in another language. My mighty God, Jesus Christ, stepped up behind me. He had the garment of an evangelist waiting on me. Come on, God filled me with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And it was the faithfulness of my parents who refused to believe that sin was going to win. Come on, it's time we realize it's not in what we can do, but it's in what he can do. I was recently at a church. I'm not going to tell you where. And today's the latest I've been for church, and I couldn't tell you how long. I'm one of those guys that's 30 minutes early for everything. And I walked in. There wasn't hardly anybody there. And I'm just, I like to come in and sit and just look at people, you know. Because they think I look funny, so do they. <laughs> and this lady comes up. She said, excuse me. I go, hey, how are you doing? She said, that's my seat. I went, I'm so sorry, man. And I went down to this end, right? And I didn't even get like this. And she goes, oh, oh, oh. My daughter and son-in-law sat there. I'm like, so I went back about three rows. And I was just about to sit there. She said, that's where all the praise singers are going to sit. Well, I'm sorry. So I went back to the back row. 
The music starts. The pastor comes out of the office, and he's looking for me. He says, Brother Mahaney, we need you to come up to the front. This lady goes... Sometimes, maybe you need to go sit where that loved one used to sit. Come on, get out of your rut and go sit down in that chair and say, well, I'm going to warm it up for them. They may not walk in those doors today, but they're coming home because God has a garment waiting on them. Come on, they may not be in here. Come on, praise is an act of faith. You know what? Maybe they're not in here today, but I'm going to praise him because he's about to deliver them. I'm going to praise him. I wonder what would happen if every time when we walk through those doors, we turn around and go, I prophesied to those doors. My children are about to walk through those doors and begin to praise him all the way into the sanctuary and begin to thank him in advance that my children are coming home. Let's all stand. When Jesus' eyes met Peter's by the fire of denial, he wasn't looking at him with hurt. Brother John's, he already had his garment. And in that garment was they playing the keys of salvation. You may have come in here today. And I don't care what you did last night. Come on, I don't care what you did this morning. Because Jesus Christ is here. They sang about the blood. That blood is here. Oh, I feel his presence. Oh, I feel his presence. Come on, can I tell somebody? Come on, you've been worried. You've worried yourself sick. Come on, you set up in the middle of the night. Come on, I could see somebody right now in my mind sitting on the edge of your bed. You can't sleep. You can't breathe. You can't eat. You can't function because fear has a hold of you. And the devil's telling you, oh, they're too far gone now. You see, my father died on Sunday morning. And that in the wee hours of the morning, he'd been unconscious for two days. And I slipped in there and began to whisper in his ear. He was all intubated and all that stuff. Told him how much I loved him. And I said, Dad, I promise you right now before God, what you started, I'm going to finish. That man of God sat up in the bed. I don't even know how he pulled himself up. And he just put his face right in my face. Three hours later, he was dead. Sunday night, I walked to the pulpit and I preached my first sermon. And I baptized my first drug addict because God had that garment of an evangelist. And a lot of the prayers my father seen answered. He didn't see him till he got to glory. Brother Johns, I know y'all were friends. I bet God said, come here, Charlie, let me show you something this morning. That's your boy. That's right. All those prayers you prayed. That's right. I want us to come to the front. I prayed about this service, and this is how I feel directed 
Now, when I come back, my testimony will be different. But this is, come on, especially those that's got lost loved ones. Don't you get as close as you can. Come on, put press on through. Now listen, I'm a man of faith. I'm just going to tell you. I've prayed for more people. I don't get up and tell everybody what happens. I don't tweet it. I don't post it. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen all kinds of things happen. And most of it in the United States. I'm, it don't all happen over yonder. This man, what you William could ask me, Nick, I need you to pray about this. And I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna, first thing I'm going to do is tell my wife, and we're going to pray. And we're going to believe, because I'm a man of faith. But I can get down on my knees and pray for my family. I don't have that faith. I don't even know where it goes. Am I the only one? I can pray for William's family, and I mean shake the foundations of hell. But when I get down on my knees, see, I, I can't look at them like I'm looking at William's family. I'm looking at them through Nick Mahaney's eyes and not the eyes of the Father. So here's what I want us to do. I'm coming back in 30 days. I want you to find somebody, William, I want you to find somebody in this church. Maybe you don't know them. Maybe you do. And I want you to say for the next 30 days, don't pray for your family. I got them. Let me have the names of who you want me to pray for. And y'all want you to pray for mine. And I'm going to fast these 30 days. Come on, you feel it? We're going to be in a covenant. Thank you. We're going to be in covenant. And I dare you to go home and study on what a covenant means. And I'm going to pray for your family. You're going to pray for mine. Now I want you to reach over and begin to pray for one another right now. In the name of Jesus, come on, lay your hands on people. Not just put your hand on the shoulder, but pray for them. 